A science story, huh? And I just thought, well, I figured it out. It was that golden moment because science was on my side. Hey everyone, I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true personal stories about science. A quick note, we have shows coming up in New York, Boston, London, and Brunswick, Maine. StoryClatter.org for more information. This week's story is from Allison Hartshorn. The story was recorded in October 2013 at October Gallery in London. It was part of the Inside Out Festival. Hey, Fab. Okay, so my story is about love and tomatoes. And um, as with any story where there's two, two elements to it, I think I should do it in priority order. So I'm going to start with the tomatoes first. Um, and the thing about tomatoes is that, that it's, it's, my husband has a thing about the way that we store tomatoes in our house. So my husband's actually here. My husband's name's Nick. He's in the audience just there, embarrassed. Um, but yeah, so um, I think he knows what I'm going to say. So, um, so a few months ago, my husband read an article, a scientific article, that said about um, tomatoes and the way you store them in a fridge. And if you put them in a fridge, it um, destroys the cells of the tomatoes um, and in doing so makes them not taste as good as they did before. So he came back, he told me this article, he said, right, from now on, we're storing tomatoes um, elsewhere than the fridge. So on the side, somewhere, we'll store the tomatoes. I was like, okay, yep, fine. So the other day, I was unpacking our groceries, and I was putting the tomatoes diligently on the side, and he was like, what what are you doing? What are you doing, Alison, with those tomatoes? And I said, Nick... You, told, you read this story, you told me that it was dis- disintegrating the cells and that it was negatively affecting the taste, and therefore I have, as the scientific data says, diligently put the tomatoes here and uh, as according to your wishes, darling, light of my life. <laughs> and he said, yeah, but those are the small plum tomatoes, and I really like them cold. <laughs> And so goes our relationship, because Nick, unlike me, he's, he's not a scientist. I know. I have a PhD in physics. I work in a physics university. I try and get people into science. And I married a non-scientist. I'm okay. I'm getting, I'm getting to terms with this now. So here's where it comes to the love part. So what I want to tell you about is how me and Nick got together. How did this unlikely match happen? So it started about eight years ago. I was living in a shared house, one of those shared houses where you don't get to pick who you're living with. So we were a jumble of people, and and most of the people I was living with were um, people doing arts or media or things like that. So I was kind of on my own. There was was nobody who was doing similar stuff to me. Um, Of course, there was also the other, the, the squatter that we had. His name was Hitler. He was... He was a cockroach. He used to run around the living room at 7.30 a.m. really quickly, and then he'd disappear. Um, so, um, yeah, he wasn't doing artsy subjects. He was just uh, competing with humanity, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, so Nick came around to view the house. Um, so there he was. He was standing in a, a parka jacket. He had a mullet haircut underneath 
his beanie hat, height of fashion at the time, I promise you. Um, and I, I inquired, you know, what, what do you do? And he said, oh, I, I work in media. And I was like, yeah, I'm so disappointed. Um, so I was like, okay, fair enough. I, I got the feeling he wasn't going to move in anyway. And I was thinking, well, you know, you never know. Hitler might come out and that, that'll seal the deal. Um, so um, anyway, I, I was pretty surprised when it turned out that actually he was going to move into the house. Um, so um, he moved in and I thought, well, I, I, you know, I want to make friends with him. He's one of my housemates now. Um, let's see if we can find some common ground. What, what do we have in common? So I was like, so um, where are you from? And he, was, he said, I'm, I'm from Herefordshire. I was like, Herefordshire? I'm Scottish. I don't, I don't know where that is. Um, and then I said, oh, so have you, have you got a degree, maybe? And he was like, yes, I've got a degree. So I was like, great, we've got something here. He's got a degree. What's your degree in? And he said, sociology. And I thought, I don't remember that from my science classes. Um, so there was these different, these different um, uh, viewpoints that we had and, and things we didn't have that much in common. Um, I would sit in my Red Dwarf t-shirt doing logic problems. He would sit at the opposite of the room reading books on grammar. Cool. Um, so yeah. Um, and what I noticed by these observations, these ways of trying to get find that common ground between us, was um, the differences which were actually quite interesting and were quite illuminating. So while um, Nick could follow a logical argument, for example, um, how soap works. So I told him about the chemistry, about how soap works, and what that means is that the soap really technically just surrounds the dirt, and therefore it really is necessary to rinse dishes after you've put the soap on them. <laughs> so yeah, um, that, that's still true, actually, just, just telling you, Nick. Um, so yeah, so, um, so I explained that, but, and he was like, yeah, no, okay, I get that, I understand that, but, but he didn't always feel that because data said it, because there was a scientific theorem backing it up, he didn't feel that that would necessarily affect the way he was going to act. He felt like it was more important about maybe his mood or his emotions, and he would, he would see that as the ruling factor in, in kind of how he led his life. And this was kind of really, you know, revolutionary to me. I hadn't been around this. The way I thought, I had my scientific framework and I would act the way that I should act or, or you know, or was required. And being around him, I could see how the value of this. You know, maybe sometimes I didn't want to rinse the dishes or, you know, it, you know, maybe it wasn't necessary to put the towels on the outside of the dryer because they'd never get dry. Um, and, and I just... I began to realize that this was a different way of thinking and, and actually I really wanted to try this. And, and the main message from it was that, you know, it's okay to feel things and it's okay to act in a way that's authentic to how you are. Um, and, and being around him, I felt, you know, it was okay to be me, to feel, the, feel those things and express those emotions. And, that was, and, and the emotions were good. It was good to act on them. So I find this quite, you know not just illuminating, but it made me feel very, very strongly about him because, you know, the best way for me to experience this was when I was with him. So now it's really important to find some common ground um, because now I could see how much I, I liked him. Um, so I was, you know, racking my brains, what have we got that, that we can chat about and become closer about? 
So anyway, he popped into my room one time, and he was just looking at my music collection. So quite a lot of CDs there, you know, hundreds. Um, but the, his eyes rested upon um, a particular single um, by a particular artist. You've probably heard of her, Billy Piper. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know Bailey Piper, um, before um, she was in Doctor Who, and before that, um, she was a really great cheesy pop star with hits like, um, uh, why do you sing that song so loud? Because you want to, because you want to, that sort of thing. Yeah, great, <laughs> great tunes. Anyway, so I, I said, yeah, yeah, I do have this single by Bailey Piper. I wasn't expecting you to notice that one. Um, and he said, And I said, oh, do you want to borrow it? And he said, no, no, that won't be necessary. I've got the album. (laughs) (laughs) So we shared this love of um, cheesy pop songs. And the result of him noticing this meant that we would start to um, exchange CDs. And what Nick was really good at is he would see what mood I was in that week or that day, and he'd pick out exactly the right album that would express that emotion. Um, and he was, it was really good, and it just lifted my spirits to have that. And it brought us closer and closer together. Um, so now I was kind of thinking, you know, I'd really like to go out with a, on a date with him. Um, and really, you know, the logical scientific thing to do would be to ask him out on a date. But I was living with this chaotic character, and, um, and he was allowing me to feel my emotions. And the main emotion I was having when I thought about that was absolute fear and panic. So I didn't want um, to um, ask him out in case he didn't feel the same way. So like any force, like a love force, I felt that I kind of needed a carrier particle to carry the love to Nick so that then he would feel the love. Um, And so I uh, uh, luckily at the time had a housemate who was really bad at keeping secrets. (laughs) Yeah, thank you, Anthony. Um, So yeah, so he, um, I told him my secret. I told him how much um, I felt for Nick and that, you know, he was like, you know, giving me these emotions. And as any good force carrier particle, he did transmit that message to Nick. Um, and, and Nick said that for him, that was a clarifying moment when he realized that I felt that way. He knew that he felt the same way. Um, and he asked me out on a date. And you know, eight years on, we're married. And we get to have discussions about where we store tomatoes, because I live in a crazy, chaotic world where who knows where they're meant to be kept. And that's my story. That was Alison Hartshorn. Alison graduated with a BSc in astrophysics from Newcastle University. Leaving for London to seek her fortune, she worked for several years in building services engineering and investment banks, first as an operations manager and then as a consultant. She left this career to pursue her love of physics, completing a master's in space science and a PhD in solar physics at UCL. She is now at Queen Mary, looking after outreach and student recruitment for maths and physics. For more science stories, take a look at storyclatter.org, where we have archives of the podcast and upcoming events. Also, we depend on listeners like you for our support. If you love the podcast, please consider donating at storycollider.org slash donate.
The Story Cloud is produced by me, Brian Wecht, Aaron Barker, and Ari Daniel. The podcast is produced by Rose Eveleth. Additional help from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, and Justin D'Ambrosio, and the theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to October Gallery for hosting the show, to the Inside Out Festival, and to Twitter, since I didn't need to get any work done. Side note, follow us there at at story underscore collider. Thanks for listening. <laughs>